0: You are listening to the School of the Future podcast by G.I.I.S. I'm Graham Brown, your host. In this series, we feature the G.I.I.S. community of teachers, parents, students and thought leaders from across the region to discuss the forces, opportunities and challenges that are shaping learning in the 21st century. Hello, welcome back to School of the Future podcast. Today we're teaching six-year-olds sustainability and society. Is it possible? As we face some big challenges in wider society, how do we equip the next generation to really create positive impact and change? Joined by two teachers here at GIIS, Rama Rajivs, who heads up the kindergarten And Padmarani Srivatsan, who's also a kindergarten teacher and runs the environment and sustainability programs at GIS. We're going to learn about their journeys as teachers, as well as the challenges in nurturing that curiosity, that passion in kindergarten students. Coming up in School of the Future. Welcome back to School of the Future. I'm Graham Brown. We're at GIIS campus in Singapore. I'm joined by two teachers who are going to help us understand and explore a little bit of the world of the younger students here, especially in kindergarten as well. We're going to talk about, well, as young as six years old, or even younger, and issues that really are top of the agenda today, sustainability and society. And do children really understand and can they actually make a difference in this? So, to help us answer that question, those questions, I'm joined by Rama Rajiv and Padma Srivatsan. Apologies for the pronunciations; I did my best there. Rama and Padma, you're both uh, teachers here. Rama, you head up the kindergarten here, and Padma, you're a teacher here, but you also head up all the environmental projects. So, maybe I can open with a question which the listeners may be interested in hearing the answer to, but you know, really to what extent do children understand and how young do they really understand those issues of sustainability in society? And I guess I'll, I'll ask you, do we underestimate children?
1: Yes, we do. And uh, I think right from the from nursery onwards. I've been a nursery teacher for five years and through all kindergarten, all levels have been working in GIS. And a, a nursery kid can be sensitized. He is able to... G- understand what is mm. a climate change in his own words it's up to us to bring it to their level and then they actually they go home and then talk about it to their parents mm. and uh, and uh, parents are surprised you know uh, one of the parents told me it was their dinner time talk that you know we need to look at what how, we eat how he, oh, uh, he uh, the child was uh five years five years yes uh, and he said that you know, we are not going to waste food mm. we are going to Take the portion that we are eating. Mm-hmm. You are not going to throw the food. Mm. So, because he said that, you know, the food comes from the soil. Mm. And we are wasting food. We are you are not caring for the environment. Mm, wow. We are not caring for the people who need.
0: Yeah, yeah. Five years old. That's yes. amazing. Yes. So, in that instance, they, they get it. They understand, they right? Do. They do. They, very much so. And how… Is that now in terms of the the kind of things we need to teach them? Do we now need to sort of teach them at a higher level? Do we now need to, you know, we don't sort of dumb it down
2: for kids? We have to come down to their level, you know, because otherwise it's very, very difficult. If you talk about topics like global warming, I was talking to you about the very structured curriculum that we have, which is called the IK program. You know, so uh, what happens is we have five topics that are dealt with Mm. throughout the year. And each topic is dealt with for two months. So we the five topics are global warming, mm. uh, there's animal species conservation, there is energy conservation, there is waste management, and there's world hunger. No, these are heavy topics. Yeah. You know, the name itself is like, I mean, when, when you talk to a, a nursery kid who is, see, the age criteria mm. for the GMP mm. program mm. is from two and a half to three and a half for nursery, three and a half to four and a half for K1, and four and a half to five and a half for K2. These are really small kids. So a nursery kid would not definitely be able to understand global warming. But when we tell him, tell the child, okay, you know what is happening is, just like when I get fever, Mm -hmm. my body becomes very warm. So same thing is happening with this place that we are living in, this planet that we are living Mm in. It's getting very hot. Yeah. So, that is global warming. They get that. You know, so that abs- that's absolutely simple for a child right, to right. understand.
0: So, yeah? maybe the challenge is, is from the teaching side, isn't yes. it? That's what we have to change. Absolutely. The children get it if you put it in the context that they understand.
2: It has to be relevant to that age right. group.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Let's talk about how you both got here. How did you get to this point in your careers? Are you both trained in teachers and where did you train? So, maybe remember yourself. Where did you well, um, start?
2: Okay, I'll tell you, um, I got interested in working with children mm. when my daughter was born. This mm. is about 21 years ago. So what h- used to happen was that, you know, we used to have these gathering of friends and their children would come to the park. Mm. What I would find myself doing is working all the, with all the parents sitting in one corner and gossiping and I would collect all their kids mm. and start working with them. And, and I used to find it fun to work with little children because what the experience that I had with my daughter was that when you stimulate a child, you get response from them. Mm. So if you don't do it, it'll never happen, you know. So that is how I got into teaching, you know. So once she started school, I got I, I did a course, um, you know, the uh, the uh, this course in um, early childhood. Mm. And that's how I got into the school.
0: Yeah. So were were you surprised by uh, to, to what extent that age student, if I can use that word, responded i've
2: I've always loved working with little children you know because i like i told you i felt that you know you Give them something, you get it back from them. Mm -hmm. So um, the response was really, really amazing when I worked with my daughter. So I was like, "Why shouldn't I do it? You know, let me just give it a shot and see if children can, you know, understand things. You know, when you bring it down to their level, and uh, it really works like magic. You know, so it's 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 fun working with this set of group with this group of children. You know, from from say two and a half to five. Hmm. So yeah, that's how I got into the school. Very
0: so. curious about the world, aren't they? They're Absolutely absorbing information. Absolutely, and like, yeah, asking questions,
2: Absolute asking why. Mind, yes, yeah. and it's important for us to satisfy that curiosity. Yeah, you know because yeah, yeah. yes. Hmm. So,
0: cool, yeah. good. How about yourself, Padma? Yeah, mean you know, you're actually teaching now.
1: Yes, have uh, you always been a teacher? I, I just like uh, Rama said, even I joined school, uh, when my daughter mm. started her schooling, uh, that's ex- I was also uh, interested in small kids. Mm. And then I used to really love being with them. And I thought when I do- when my daughter went to school, I thought, okay, I need to keep abreast with what's happening in the world. So I became a teacher, I, t- I got trained in a school in Chennai. I was in Chennai for 17 years, uh, after I got married, and mm. then uh, both of us went to the same school. And then uh, that's how my journey started. And then I moved to Bangalore for six, seven years. I worked there as a kindergarten teacher, same. And then moved to uh, Singapore where I'm Mm -hmm. working in GIS now. And I feel children are like a clay. You need to mold them. Mm -hmm. The way you mold, they become what it is. They're just clay. It's so easy for a kindergarten teacher if the teacher is inclined to, you know, Mm -hmm. make a change in them uh, you know they, they can mould the kids you know, Yeah. and then we get the result immediately because they want to do it they mm. want to make a change in their environment be it uh, related to environment or keeping your classroom clean or you know talking about energies as uh, switching off the light fan and mm. they go home and tell the parents you know you're not switching off the light, my teacher told me. Yeah. I can state an incident where I was talking about uh, plastic, you know, single-use plastic, where when you go to uh, the shopping, you know, uh, ask your parents not to carry, uh, I mean, buy a plastic bag, carry your own bag. And I get a call from at 9 o'clock in the night, one fine day, and I was surprised why the parent is calling me. And then the the parent was pleading me, he said, Can you please tell your student it's one day I forgot to take my bag? He's uh, not allowing me to buy the stuff.
2: Right. And, was the parent uh, happy?
1: Yeah. And the parent was very happy and the child is saying, Can you say sorry to my teacher? Wow.
2: So, you know, actually we feel that, you know, she's made a difference in the life of the child because yeah. he is carrying the message that she has conveyed to him at home. And beyond the school. Yeah, yeah. That's really important, isn't it? Absolutely.
1: Outside
0: the classroom.
1: Absolutely.
0: How important that is.
1: Yeah. And I think the parents also has a role in this. And because the parents also reciprocated, you know, uh, and then understood what the child is saying. And then Mm. called me at that time and she said, sorry, teacher. I will not do this again. <laughs> <laughs> the fact is, it. it is very
2: difficult to convince an adult to make lifestyle changes. Mm. But it's very easy to mold a child yeah. to listen to what you have to you know, convey to them. And they are more receptive to making those changes.
0: Does that stay with them forever? The, the lessons, the philosophies you impart?
2: Today? As long as that thing is, you know, it is um, uh, inculcated in the child, even in the home environment. Yeah, that that talk has to be there constantly. Mm. You know, that's how. Um, yeah, those changes. Can it's a big happen. impression.
0: I mean, it we is. can all think of our very early formative years. Correct. And people have big impressions upon Absolutely, us, right? Yeah. You know, especially those teachers. Yes. The teachers that you know you still remember today you remember their names right certain teachers teachers. there was always that one teacher i also remember as well from my experience and i wonder how you sort of convey this in the classroom as well that there were teachers who made you gather around they told stories and those were always the ones that you looked forward to that lesson you know i even think that i can remember the names of the the teachers there was a mrs roberts for example Yeah, yeah She was always the one that gather around children. That's that magical effect, that gather Absolutely. around. Absolutely. And then there'll be the teacher that just opened the books and read you know, out the, the exercise.
2: Completing the exercise. The regimental form of teaching. Yeah,
0: exactly. Those were always the ones that you dreaded. But yes. then there was the ones who gathered around. And it was such a delight to go to the classroom because the stories you can even remember today, that, the power of the stories. Yeah. How does that work when you teach sustainability, for example? Those sort of more bigger issues out there. Are you telling stories in the classroom? What works with them?
1: Yeah, stories. Of course, we uh, certain topics we tell. Like, for example, the uh, polar bear story. Mm. Every kid likes it. Yeah. So they say, "Why is my house melting?" So, so the children will sit and they discuss among themselves, and why is the house melting? We need to do our part. Yeah. We should not cut trees. We should plant. So we have a small garden in the school. So they go and nurture. They just water the plants. They do the raking. Mm. We just tell them that every part of a plant from that comes from nature is is can be reused. Yeah. Uh, so, they know they do the raking, they, they do mulching. Yeah. We teach them what is mulching and, you know, how composting. does it… Composting. Composting. We do composting in the school. Yeah.
0: But they love that. They love, they love that. Getting their hands.
1: Absolutely.
2: Actually, very much, again, you know, different
0: ways of learning as well. We talked about it in the other podcast. Absolutely. Podcasts.
2: Actually, as adults, you know, very often you find parents telling children, don't play in the mud, don't yeah. do this. There's always this don't do, don't do. Don't don't your do not do Absolutely. Yeah. So, but when you take children, so what happens is uh, as part of a curriculum, we have one particular approach that we follow which is called the multiple intelligence approach so one of the uh, so they believe in eight intelligences now one of the intelligences is called naturalist intelligence so every month based on the thematic topic that we have we have to do a natural a, a recycling activity or a, you know taking them back to nature yeah. doing something with what is outdoors rather than confining them to the classroom and you know you know, working within a confined area. Mm. So when you take them out, for example, if the topic is about birds, okay, so one activity would be take them out, ask them to to collect leaves and create a bird with the leaves that they've collected with leaves and twigs and pebbles and all those kind of things, you know. And you should see the amazing creativity that children come up with. Mm. So that is what we are looking at, you know. Mm. So there's innovation and creativity where there's no fear.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what I want to ask you, because this was a subject that came up in a number of the conversations on this podcast. And if you've missed the listeners, those episodes, go back and listen to them. We talked about how do you create an environment where you kindle that enthusiasm, that curiosity? Because I think there's, there's one aspect where you show them what's possible and you tell the stories but there's another part which is making them free of fear to learn these things and to go and explore how do you do that and what kind of role do you have as a teacher maybe in doing that making them feel that they can do this without maybe making mistakes or they will make mistakes but not being scolded for making mistakes how do you sort of create an environment and culture
1: yeah we, we just talk to them that you know is so learning i tell them even now i'm learning from you all yeah so uh, doing mistake is not wrong trying is most important, you know, uh, because children should not fear that, you know, I am wrong. Mm. We always feel that they should come out and talk. So, and they, they just come, they, we go out to the garden and they do something. For example, we ask them to make a butterfly. It might not look like like a butterfly, but I just go, wow, amazing. But it can be done like this. So the child knows, okay, he's not wrong. Yeah. He doesn't shuns away next time, you know, when she shows, when he or she shows me something. So we just, you know, encourage them to do uh, without fear. Mm. This is one of the ways where they go and collect. Sometimes they collect a twig and say, "This is letter Y, teacher. This is letter Y." Uh, so it's it's perfectly okay, and we just encourage in uh, in those ways.
0: Yeah, and you think about now when that child grows up. It goes into the, the, the wider world, let's say in the world of business. And then somebody asks them to come up with a solution. Yeah. Like you say, the butterfly example, there's not just one way of doing it. And now yes. we need those kind of thinkers as well, who can maybe think about things a little bit differently because if, we're always coming up with the same solutions. We're going to get the same answers to so the We're not going to fix the problems. We need radically different ways sometimes as well.
2: So, we also need to make a shift from a purely teacher directed environment to a child centric environment. Right. So, that is where, you know, we, so some of us are very rigid mm. with our ways of teaching. Yeah, you know, so that shift needs to be made. And so each of us has, as teachers, have to let children do things on their own without teacher intervention. Mm-hmm. So we have this um, uh, program called this called STEAM. So what happens is we provide a lot of manipulatives to children and get them to produce whatever, come up with whatever they want. You know, I mean, whatever uh, creativity or innovative things that they can build up with those. Materials. Mm. So, some of these materials could be as simple as recycled toilet rolls. You just give it to them and, you know, the, the things that they come up with, the, the things that they build up. You know, to me, my perspective, it would be it, the, the thing that the child has constructed would look like a tower. But to a child, it is like a rocket launcher.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, so we are looking at their perspective, mm. you know. And the other thing is also as part of the language um, aspect of teaching we there's something called creative writing we we give children topics we discuss things and then we let them write whatever they want we are not we are not looking at the right spellings we are actually looking at the creativity in the wrong spellings mm. they are beautiful you should look what at what do you the, mean by that what i'm trying to say is that you know to, uh, to uh, this their word beautiful this is a beautiful Um, uh, picture. Okay, beautiful to me is B-E-A-U-T-I-F-U-L but to a child is B-U-T-F-L It's perfectly okay because it is he is trying to do it in a phonetic manner because we are teaching them phonics. So he's trying to write it. So that is his perspective. So how can I tell him that this is not correct?
0: Okay, so let me play devil's advocate here. How do you create that environment where you're effectively telling the child that's okay.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely okay.
0: Yet, there is, at some point, they have to actually spell that, and there may be a test yeah. <laughs> at some point. Yes. However it is, but you can see that then, you know, that may sort of expand out into bigger problems where they have to do it in a set way. How, how do you balance that? Because there may be people saying, well, look, you've got to teach my child how to spell beautiful, okay. the correct way. That's okay. in the Oxford English Dictionary. Okay.
2: But as they move on from kindergarten they get into the rigid way of learning. Yeah. So so for us, while they are with us in kindergarten, we encourage them to do creative writing, you know. So, I mean, beyond beyond kindergarten, it's it's a role of the teacher, right. you know, that interacts with them as they go to the higher classes.
0: So what what are you basically giving them the building blocks? Absolutely. In a way, absolutely. Which are like the meta skills of yes. learning yes. and creativity yeah. on which they can layer those Scaffold. domain skills yeah the scaffolding yes. right, exactly okay well we're going to talk about some of the programs as well that you're involved in here at GIS and I guess before that we're going to talk about eye Care and so on but before we get to that we um, maybe can have a look at this whole idea and we're sort of leading up to it we talked about in previous episodes about thinking outside the box what is the box for a six-year-old what is that box that you want them to think outside of? What is it? Is it a traditional education system? Or what? what is it you're trying to get them to think freely from?
1: Yeah. What do you think holds them back? Yeah. See, uh, we have something. We just, uh, when we say that we are doing something, we are making something. So we just make, tell them that, you know, it's not actually buying something and doing. It's always, when you're talking about sustainability, it's not mm. always buying new things and doing something within the environment we can go and we collect twigs we collect do this this, and they make all the lo- it's called theory of loose parts so let them do whatever they want hmm. so they come out with a lot of creations you know so they're thinking out of the boxes the other day i just gave them a small st- uh, uh, roll uh, it was a toilet roll they built one upon the other and the child was building a bridge hmm. so I mean, it's, that's the way we ask them to think about how to make a bridge. Some other child was saying, I can't do, we don't have. So they took a can, was there, the Coke can. They kept on that. They tried to, they took a blue tag was they fixed it. So it's they're coming out, that's thinking out of the way. They, they don't think rigidly, okay, I need to have the same type of thing for me to make a bridge. It's something what is around them. So they are using, coming, using their, you know, uh, thought process and they collectively work. So this helps them to as you grow up, you know, you need to be socially aware, Mm. take ideas from others. It's not only you. Nowadays we talk about emotional intelligence where we know we need to consider what the other person is thinking, go along with them and then maybe he's right or wrong. So, then come to a consensus where the right thing we are doing. So, we mould in such a way that they they make a good team. One child said, I'll be the captain. Mm. So, others agreed. You know, they said, okay, go and bring the twig. Of course he's not standing there and bossing around he's also trying to fix it so the others are helping him and giving their ideas
0: So theory of loose parts that's something that you understand quite well help me understand it because I kind' of get it at the conceptual level but for those that are listening that See, may not have heard is,
2: it the thing is children need to be pre- you they need to have a prepared environment mm. you can't I mean if there is nothing around you will find the child doing nothing but if you provide things in the environment, you know, the so the classroom has to be a very it has to be a prepared environment. Mm. So for the teachers to keep things ready, so children pick up things whenever they're free once they're finished with their reading and writing and whatever has to be done they have the uh, the liberty to pick up whatever they want and create whatever they want so we, once when they start doing that they will be but the teacher should not intervene in mm. what they are doing you know, so that is the only way otherwise what is going to happen is we are going to stifle creativity if i am going to be interfering with everything that the child is doing then where how is the child ever going to learn to be creative mm. you know so yeah
0: Yeah, I suppose in a way, even for the teachers, you've got to kind of step back and unlearn a little bit of traditional training as well, right?
1: We need to actually keep abreast with the present uh, generation, what they demand. Mm. And then, you know, otherwise it's just, uh, you know, talking about animals, you know, the giraffe, giraffe has got stripes, no longer holds good for the kids. They know that because they are well aware this. The moment they are born, they are introduced to all this. We need to go beyond that, where they live. What do they eat? What kind of environment they need? So they understand that because these animals, they love animals. Kids love animals. They say that, yeah, they live in a forest. They live in a zoo. We need to protect. So this way we inculcate the values of protecting the environment, uh, taking care of uh, what is around them, not to cut trees, things like that. You know, These are the uh, different ways we need to find it. It's not just talking to them, okay, this month we are learning about all these things, this, this, this. No. We need to go beyond that. Yeah. So teachers have to, whichever level, either it's a nursery kid, a teacher or a teacher who is teaching for a, a university, ha- they have to come down to their level and then see what is, it's not only going by the books.
0: Mm. So Padma, you've won an award for your work. Yes. So we'll talk about that. Then I want to talk about some of the challenges in teaching this approach. And then we'll go into the eye care program, for example. Let's talk about the award first. What was it
1: for? It's all for the green initiatives that we are uh, we, we keep doing every other month. Mm. So it's we normally actually we don't work uh, all these initiatives are not done to get an award. but since we uh, are eligible, so we try to apply for an award and we receive it. It's uh, some of the programs like we are invited by National Environment Agency in Singapore uh, to conduct workshops for the public. Uh, there is once a year event called Clean and Green Singapore where our kindergarten students, they've gone and presented a skit on uh, Tetra Pak and saying that it can be recycled and it's better than plastic So uh, to the public. So it goes to that level where, you know, they are able to, uh, you know, go and convince people who are… So they were presenting? Reach yes. yes. out to the community. How, how old were they? These two. Uh, all four, five years old.
0: Okay. Presenting? Yes. About pe- Tetra packs. Yes. yes. Okay. In front of?
1: A public audience. It's okay. in a in a mall. On the microphone? Yes. yes.
0: On a stage. Oh, nice. And were they using like props and visuals? Yes, yes. Yeah. And how many children were there doing that? Uh,
1: this one, one, one was in, uh, if I'm not wrong, in Jurong, I took them yeah. about uh, 14 kids.
0: 14 on stage? Yes. Wow. And do they all have different roles? Or? Yes,
1: they do have. And they know uh, way to what to do at what time. And yeah. sometimes they help their friends also. I, actually, we, we just tell them like, you know, it doesn't matter if your friend is not able to remember what he says. So the next child is repeating for him. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. So that's how, you know, they learn how to... You know, it's not like, you know, I don't know. He's not saying it's not like that.
2: There's plenty of opportunities that we come up with for for outreach programs. So, you know, the confidence that the child gets Mm -hmm. when he's presenting himself in front of, you know, a huge crowd is amazing. She's very passionate about all these things.
0: Well, I think you should be as well. I think we should all be. I mean, it's certainly a skill that we all need. I mean, we're sitting here now telling stories. And I know GIS is, you know, very much into training your students as well to present and here they got use of the studio the radio studio and they'll be running their own podcasts as well and how important that is in the wider world isn't it because you you can have all this knowledge but if you can't convey that if you can't tell stories about the environment or sustainability then You know, we have all the data. It's out there. You know, the data about climate change has been around for 120 years, right? But it's only when, you know, most recently we've seen that teenage uh, Swedish girl, Greta Thunberg, Thunberg, stand up and tell a story, 17 years old. You know, that's the power of storytelling. And that's the generation that we can look to and say, we've got hope. If they can then, you know, convey with message and it's the emotional intelligence you talk about, right? That's the connection. Because that, again, it goes back to the gather around part as well. We need to train students, the next generation, to better connect with people and say, this is why it's important. Because just saying that, you know, Australia is on fire, yeah, it's not enough. It's like, yeah, well, so what? There's a lot of things going on in the world right now. We have to kind of connect with people. So these are really important skills. So let's, let's sort of bring that into the program here. I care. Let's talk about what you do uh, this is more this is what you manage here is that right yes so tell so you'll be okay so give give us the one-on-one on i care what it's about
2: okay. well, i care uh, like i told you the gmp curriculum that we have that we offer at the ki- uh, kindergarten level it's called the, the curriculum that we offer the gm at the kindergarten level is called gmp mm. Now, gmp stands for global Montessori plus now th- this program is based on five pillars like I mentioned earlier, um, global warming is, um, sorry, we're talking about the, pillar? yeah, so the global warming is yeah. one, um, energy species conservation is one, I am sorry.
0: It's all right.
2: Animal species conservation, right. energy conservation, uh, waste management, and world hunger. These are the five pillars that we, uh, five um, themes that we talk about um, throughout the year. Yeah. Now, each of these themes is dealt with for two months. And we talk to children about, you know, these themes. So, there are there are stories that we narrate to them. There are videos that we show them to for them to be able to understand. Sometimes when we have special assemblies, we prepare skits based on these. You know, so then they're able to understand for themselves. They're able to see what these things are, you know. And uh, when we talk about, you're talking about the bushfires in Australia, through the, the Living Value Education Program, the LVEP program that we have, we try to inculcate values in them. Hmm. So empathy is one of the values that we uh, try to inculcate. Can you teach empathy? Difficult. Difficult. Right. But yeah. then, the thing is, if you talk about it, you need to create empathy amongst children. And it's, it's a very difficult uh, value to, to teach, hmm. you know. So, yeah, it's... But then, you know, through constant through storytelling, the story narration is how we try to inculcate all these things. For example, when we talk about world hunger, we actually show them things that happen, you know, with children of that same age group, children who are not able to who, you know, go hungry for days together. They're children of the same age group. But when you talk to children about it, they understand. That is how you try to create empathy amongst them. Mm. You know, so yeah, so values like honesty and friendship and um, unity and freedom and tolerance—these are all the values that we try to inculcate, mainly largely through storytelling. Well,
0: what was the challenge with teaching those skills? Because, I mean, I think me, I'm sold on the need for them. I mean, even in the world of business, empathy now is getting taught in many sort of leadership circles. If you look, for example, at even in Apple, for example, a lot of their corporate documentation, their training manuals talk about empathy, 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 empathize with customers. It's not a soft, fuzzy skill, which is a nice add-on. For them, it's so important. And that's not just business, but in the world, like you say, empathizing with people who may be suffering. So you you can then think of a, a solution for them, right? But I don't think that comes easily teaching it because we still have, at some point, we have to teach them to take tests because there is this system that lies up here that takes them all the way to university and that's kind of been around for a long time. So how do you find teaching these skills? What would you say would be the challenge for you as teachers first, you know, in getting people to get on board with these ideas?
2: Teaching them values is not easy. You know so because what now for example what we do is i mean we we conduct donation drives so when we the, when when we have a donation drive like this there's a drive that we call SAMLIP, south africa mobile library project now this is done in conjunction with um sony singapore every year they you know they get in touch with us and you know they ask uh, they ask us to donate books so what we do is we send out a mail to the to the parents and ask parents to donate whatever is in good condition. Mm. So this, whatever is collected is sent to Sony Singapore and they send it to the uh, mobile libraries in Africa. So when we do, um, you know, activities like this, it is actually creating empathy in children. It is telling children that, you know what, there are children in South Africa, just like you, who are not able to go to schools like Mm. you go to. So, can we give them books so that they can read even at home? So that's how you create empathy in children. So yeah, do it's do rewarding it. empathy as well. It is. In many it sense. is. Yeah. It is. And they, the sense of pride they feel when they drop the books in the basket, the designated basket, they feel so good that they are going to do something for somebody else. Yeah. you know. And then we have something called the toy buffet, which I think she has done in, in the campus.
1: <laughs> Tell us about that. Yeah, the toy buffet, basically, children bring all the good toys that they have, which is uh, in usable condition. And then uh, it's donated to uh, needy children in Singapore, mm. where we set up a booth and, you know, uh, children from uh, the needy students, they come and they choose their booth. You know, there are different schools take part. They choose their booth and then they take what is good for them, you know, because sometimes we get toys which are not good because some parents think that it's just, you know, cl- clut- decluttering your house. Yeah. So we get those stuff also, but we try to, you know, uh, remove those and give the good ones. And the sense of achievement for the students that, yes, after I play and somebody else is playing, bringing a joy to a child's face, you know. When you buy, I we keep telling them, you know, why do you want to donate? When you go out for shopping, you want to buy a toy. And your father or mother gets it for you and how happy you are. And there are some people who don't have that privilege. Mm. So can we donate? Can we give you good toys? If you're feeling that, okay, I'm done with I don't want to play with it anymore. So they bring, they are very happy, you know. Mm. They come and say, and then, yes, um, uh, my mother said I can take this. Mm. And I, I brought, this is my personal toy. I like it, but I don't play with this anymore. I want to share it with somebody. Mm. So those are the some experiences uh, that we have encountered in the school.
0: Yeah. I, I'm curious as well, I mean generally, about how children of that age really respond, like, and how they sort of think a little bit differently for people maybe 10 years to their senior as well. I mean, I, I remember very distinctly being five years old at school and this was sort of in the mid-70s, sort of mid-late 70s, and I remember um, there being famine, Oxfam, was obviously very active in in raising money for you
2: know
0: yeah well in the starvation in Ethiopia and there was like crops wiped out and so on and I remember being five years old and I remember saying to my teacher at the time because they were like okay you need to raise money to raise money and I said to my teacher why can't we just give them the food because you know they said we had to buy the food to send it to them I said we've got the food why can't we just send it and I remember you know that sort of mindset of being that kind of old. i mean you know not really understanding what's reasonable and what's not but why not why can't we just do this right so have you seen that i'm curious like i mean have you been challenged like by these you know these these four five six year olds in that sort of attitude of why can't we do it like this and maybe you know because we're older we're experienced we think this is how it's always been done even us you know who are teachers effectively in life we think we're very sort of flexible in our minds but then children come to you and they sort of surprise you why not just cut through let's do it this way have you sort of experienced that as well in your programs
2: we have a lot of deep thinkers yeah you know amongst these tiny tots you know um they, they, the kind of questions that they come up with is very different from you know there are some of them who think very very deeply not the rest of them i mean if you ha- if i have 100 students i would have maybe about four or five who would really really think about you know things like that. But the important thing is that does not that should not stop me as a teacher from conveying yeah. you know the values or inculcating values amongst children you know?
0: when you mean deep thinkers what do you mean philosophers
2: yeah i mean you you have children who really really think about the things that we talk about, like for example, if I'm talking about world hunger, mm. you know, when I when I remember last year when we had this, um, you know, a regular date, uh, regular assembly that we were conducting, and we were showing them uh, video clips on you know children in Africa, you know, um, um, so I, I I found this girl. Sitting in a corner and crying and crying and crying. So when I asked her, "What is the matter?" she said, "Ma'am, I'm feeling so sad for them because they have no food to eat, and I and there are times when I waste food. Wow, you know. So, so I mean, you know, that is empathy. Yeah, so yeah, That, very, very that very is strong. exactly what we are looking at. You know. So if, even if I can convey that value of empathy, if I can see that happening, even if it's in two children or three children, I feel you know I've done my bit Mm -hmm. then the apart from that we do a lot of recycling and upcycling activities a lot of that is happening on a day-to-day basis in fact now we are creating a display board in school so you know we've collected egg cartons and we've engaged all our children to come and start painting the egg cartons so i mean yeah so we're looking forward to the final output and and the important thing is everybody is involved in this in -hmm. this um, art-based program so once Everything comes up. I mean, the sense of joy that children feel in in producing something new out of, you know, something that was being thrown out, you know. So that is the kind of thing that we are, you know, constantly doing in school. Mm. So our display boards are a lot of recycled display boards, you know, using um, bottle caps and things like that. So what we want children to understand is that I have created something new out of something that was going to be discarded.
0: Yeah. How does that now translate 20 years on into that as a person, as a rounded adult in the world, those skills? Where do they translate to in work, education, society? What what kind of people are we creating here for society when you're teaching those skills at a very young age?
1: Basically, I think we… make them think that yeah, it's sustainable living what we talking about today is that we can live within our reach what is there and not harming the environment and so something new can be done it's not always buying stuff from the market and display so and i think as they grow they will think about you know using these uh, ideas that they were at the young age they can uh, you know use it in their uh, regular day to day or in their uh, office hmm. uh, you know
0: yeah, is it just about sustainability in that sense? I mean, how are those values and ideals about sustainability? Not value and of not,
1: wasting, this, not right. wasting is one. Yeah. And then, you know, sharing is the other thing. And so, sustain basically, uh, it's just getting to make them understand that, yes, uh, uh, you know, we are able to uh, do things within our reach. Hmm. Uh,
2: We have uh, every year we have the kindergarten, senior kindergarten, which graduates and moves on to grade one. So every year as a ritual, we get them to plant plant saplings. You know, so so this is a standard thing that is done every year. So, you know, when they see these plants growing, Mm. in fact, the sense of joy that we feel, and I think I was commenting to you a few days ago, I I told her, you know, there's that mango tree which is there. That was planted sometime in 2012. So, you know, I mean, the kids have grown up. They've gone away, you know, but I'm still there. (laughs) So I can still see that, you know, the tree Growing up, so you know, so when we do this sapling plantation and all that, it, it the children feel so happy that you know that's the one that I have planted. Yeah. And in fact, this year we have a less number of students, so in fact, we were thinking of you know naming each plant that is planted by whichever child putting down the child's name instead of putting a batch because earlier we had a lot more students. Mm. Now the students are reduced, mm. so we were plan-, plan planning to you know put down their names so that you know. Nice. Whenever they are around, they move around that area. You know the kind of mm. joy that they feel. You know when they see the plant growing is immense. Nice. Yeah. 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 And
0: you can see that progress as well. I mean, if they they would have come back. Absolutely. Would see that. Yeah. That's good. Okay. I mean, we we've really walked through. You know the the whole idea of kindergarten students and the whole idea of sustainability and the importance of it and the skills that you teach and how that sort of impacts them in you know wider society and how they can make a difference in society and how you're really sort of training the next generation of thinkers as well because we need those people to challenge and to lead us in many ways because in many ways we've dropped the ball the older generations and you know we're in the situation that we are now and maybe the solutions won't come from us but it will come from them what about for you i'm curious about you like from your perspective you know you've mentioned words today like joy for example in in what you do your work and the teaching and there must be a real sense of reward in what you do. And I can I can tell that even when you relate these stories, you, you've got smiles on your faces. So yeah. this is what you're really passionate about as well. How is it for you, like, I mean, you know, when you're seeing these people, these students graduate, you know, even to year one in <laughs> primary school, right? Um, and seeing them grow and seeing the skills that they're taking with them as well. Are you, do you see that when you meet them when they're older and yeah. you see that sort of reflected back on you? So I just you met experience?
1: a couple of students who are uh, uh, from ballastia where I was working. They were with me as a team in my environment-related activities. So they just, wherever they see me, they come and hug me and they say, we miss you. Uh, you know, we learn so much from you. So those are, uh, are some you know, these are the things which make us really happy, you know. Mm. They think about, you know, uh, we we are following what you're saying at home. Still? Yeah. And How many one, years on was that? Uh, this is almost now, I, I think, about uh, eight years now. Uh. And there's one kid, you know, when I was... He was part of uh, my team in the eco-garden we have in the school. So, I just, uh, you know, tell them, you know, becoming a doctor, engineer is good, yeah. But, you know, we we just... Forget the farmer, mm. the person fee- who feeds us. You know, because when you ask the kids nowadays, uh, where do you get this banana from? Uh, they say supermarket. Market. Yeah. And they don't know the banana, how a banana leaf looks, and a papaya leaf. Yesterday I was in the garden. I had my eco garden. So this child is saying, "Ma'am, I'm holding this banana plant." I said, "Where is the banana plant? It's in my hand." And she was holding a mango plant. And I said, "That's a mango plant." And this, see, that's the level of what they because they're not exposed to because they've come yeah. back from the setting where when I was young I was in a village I used to go to a village and see how things grow Right. so this child I was working with uh, they used to help me in the group you know uh, right from weeding to planting to seeing the uh, seeds grow into a small plant and the harvest of it. We grew watermelon, we grew muskmelon, mm. and we grew turmeric and all that. And, and they mm. they helped me in digging and all that. And the child said, he came and said, now I know how a farmer works so hard. When I grow up, I want to be a farmer.
2: Wow.
1: He said, you I imagine. want to feed the world. Yeah. Uh, see, that's... we the want impact. We want the children to understand it's not always sitting in an aircon office. Mm. and Because they have got that idea now because we are all away from our traditional place where we are and then we are in the ac rooms and always working in big buildings or you know, we are not back in the we have to go back to the village because that's where we yeah
0: we need people to make things yes right
1: yeah so so we might have an aircon room but no food yeah we might have money but no food
0: fascinating okay. all those years of teaching kids to be doctors engineers accountants
1: yeah. And now
0: he right. says he wants to be a farmer, yes. which is almost like what the, everybody was trying to escape yes, from. Yes,
1: like. yes, yes. He said that. And incidentally, uh, he uh, his father was moving back to India. He came and told me on the last day, I will never forget you. I'll be a farmer.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, I see it. I mean, I work in the industry of technology and I see a lot of the developments now and like ag techs, agricultural technology is one of the big growth areas. Yeah. And it's interesting that like farming, which always was the domain and, you know, for a long time of, They were much older. These are people less educated. But now it's all these young people getting into agricultural startups because now they've got access to all these cool technologies and they see big problems which they can solve. And that's exciting because they're actually making something. And I think as well, like people now are saying, I don't just want a career. I want to do something with my life. And that gives them a real opportunity.
2: Yes, actually, the, the program, the GMP program, we have a leadership module and we believe that every child who is in kindergarten with us is a leader. Mm. so you know the different different roles that we you know assign to children so every class has you know the teacher comes up with a list of you know monitors you have the class monitor you have the energy monitor very important that's that's what I wanted to mention to you the energy monitor we have the what about the table monitor we have the line leader so you know when there's transition happening from one class to the other there's a line leader who leads them so we have the energy monitor so every um, I mean yeah uh, every day That energy monitor is supposed to, you know, go to all the classes and check whether the lights and fans are switched off. Because we used to switch off lights and fans for for about half an hour every day while the kids were with us in school, uh, are with us in school. So they would go and check out in all the classes. And we we had empowered them to come and tell us, you know, okay, that this particular class, class, there's nobody in the class, but the lights and fans are on so you know i mean children need to be empowered to come and you know let us know that okay you know and we need to switch it off when we when we leave the class they have to be switched off you know so i mean and when you give those kind of rules to children they 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 manage it beautifully yeah and and then when that happens not only in school when they go home and tell their parents oh you you're, you know there's nobody in this room why are the light and fans on you know, and then when he goes to his friend's place, so, that, so that, that's when we feel that, you know, we've made a little made bit a of difference, a difference, absolutely. you know.
0: And that they've had responsibility. Absolutely. And they've, they've sensed it as yes. well. And Now that will be part of their life forever. Absolutely.
2: So that's wow. what we aim to do.
0: In, in rounding up as well, I mean, we haven't mentioned it, but I think maybe we'll we'll talk a, a little bit in the, the close about Two projects, which I feel, given the magnitude of the challenges we face today, these are a great example. So maybe we can talk about those because then if the listeners, the parents or fellow teachers as well want to find out more about these projects or even, you know, partners in the wider ecosystem of business and so on, education, want to know about them, they can, you know, reach out and see your work as well so you've got for example the self-watering plants we talked about that as well as well as the sea cleaner project so maybe you can tell us, up. That, okay, Each, tell us okay the
2: outreach programs
0: yeah the outreach programs tell us about those and then that gives people a flavor of the actually what you're doing out there and then people that gives maybe people some opportunities to get involved with yes. what you're doing here
1: uh, so at uh, uh east coast campus uh, uh, since i'm in charge of the environment related activities there so we bring in students we talk to them about uh, uh, you know uh, being uh kind right. to the nature so we just tell them that you know the we we have started uh, something called aerobic composting where uh, they bring fruits and vegetable peels from home And then uh, the dry leaves are available in the school. And then I've taught them the process, how to do it. They do the composting at school. And the end product, they use it in the garden. See, they know that these things are thrown otherwise, you know. So they come to understand that. And they meticulously bring. Every other day they bring, they just go to the garden. They do their part. And then, you know, these are the few of the activities. And these are taken to the public through various initiatives uh, done by the National Environment Mm. Agencies or Singapore Environment Council. So we take these children, So they talk to the people there. So here we are not only talking about uh, caring for the environment and reducing the landfill and uh, helps in climate mitigation, composting helps in climate mitigation, but we are empowering the children to talk to people. It can become, they can become an entrepreneur. they They can start their own business once you know, they grew up.
0: solve problems. Yes, solves yeah.
1: problems as well as it's a good problem to be solved also.
0: So that was the aero composting. What yes. about the, the beach cleaning?
1: Beach cleaning, yeah. This is where we involved our parents. Yeah. So we always talk about, uh, we talk to the kids mm. and the kids go home and tell. And you know? also we just throw open mm. one fine day we said that, you know, okay, we mm. can invite the parents. And they all came with their kids. We went to the beach mm. and then we just told them, you know, what we are going to do here. Mm so we actually collected in an hour's time about 45 to 50 kgs of trash, trash. so the kids while they were collecting oh my god they are harming the marina they oh. they are seeing now because kids of today they are uh, well aware well informed they know they come and tell you know ma'am yesterday we saw in the news there was a turtle had a straw yeah. in the nose oh, so wow. they know that so they come and tell when they were collecting they were we should not do that we should not do that so These are the ways where the parents were also impressed. They said that, yes, my third, three-year-old, four-year-old likes to do all this. And they want us to keep this program every other month, you know. They said, please do keep it. You also want to get involved. And it's like family boarding, father, mother, the child. And they're all together. They're collecting, they're talking to each other. And they're saying why it's there, why we should not do it. So these are the values. we See, this is the way we can reach out to people. I mean, the parents also. So, it's not always only between the four walls between me and my students or probably the school uh, or the public. It's the parents. I think their role is very, very important because we are inculcating them values in the school. And maybe as they go to higher classes, it's done. But back home, they need to also listen to them. You know, listening is important. Child always goes home and is excited. Today, I did this with this. So, sometimes as parents, we just… Yeah. Yeah, so, that's the reason we should, you know, involve the parents. The more we involve, it's they also understand what they are doing. It's not only about the curriculum that we are teaching in the school. We are teaching them the real values, opening them to the world of future, you know. If they don't they do that today, it's the kids who are going to.
2: You can give the example of the BYOB initiative. Yeah. I think that was a wonderful initiative.
1: We went to a supermarket. Our four-year-old children They went and spoke to the public there.
2: The customers who came into NTUC
1: with their plastic bags. Yes, and they we handed over a cloth bag. Please don't bring um, buy things from a plastic bag. I will give you one.
2: So yeah, so we managed to save about forty plastic bags in an in in one hour in the last time. Yeah. So so these are the
1: initiatives, and they bring when they bring something to school, they never carry a plastic bag. Hmm. They bring their own bag.
2: Yeah. So So we keep telling parents, you know, okay, let's do away with single use plastic. Let's stay away from plastic. You can get metal tiffin boxes, you can get metal water bottles. So in fact, all teachers also are doing the same thing. Mm. We get our own metal boxes and you know, so glass boxes or whatever. So I mean, yeah, when you when your children see what the adult in the environment is doing, it's role modeling to them.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's great. Well that's the whole I suppose, angle of school of the future, it goes beyond the school, yes, right? And that's be. been a, the, you know, it for education to be about learning rather than teaching, right? That, you know, your role very much as facilitators and it's really taking it into the wider society as well, that's where you're going to have the biggest impact long term, sustainable impact as yeah. well and you know talking about these issues, not just making it a classroom exercise but something that touches everybody because everybody has a, a vested interest in the future obviously and the children that we're teaching here so thank you so much for sharing the journey with us and your insights and hopefully the listeners as well you know are you know sympathetic empathetic with the, the message here about underestimating children and they get the sense of the potential that you've brought today thank you so much for sharing
2: thank you so much it's My pleasure thank you thank you, thank you.
0: You've been listening to the School of the Future podcast by GIS. To learn more about GIS, our community, and our latest thinking, visit us at www.globalindianschool.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.